desires that we have that we forget that God has a plan for our lives and what I love so much about Elisha is Elisha is simply asking for God's best Elijah says what can I do for you and Elisha simply asks for one thing he says please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me we live in a world where you can get almost anything you want with the click of a button Well, for many of us, it's easy to lose sight of God's big plan because we're so focused on our own agenda. But today, Pastor Daniel urges you to break free from that mindset and think big. Like Elisha, you can ask for God's best, his plan. Then you'll be able to walk through this life holding tight to the Lord, just like those who've come before you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Kings chapter 2 as he continues his message, taken home. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and he said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And so Elisha turned back from him and he took the yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them and he boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, and he followed Elijah, and he became his servant. So God had told Elijah to go find Elisha. Elijah does it. He throws his mantle on him. Elisha realizes that this means he is being invited to be discipled by Elijah, and he says, hey, listen, let me just go back and say goodbye to my parents. Don't just want to vanish. I want to say goodbye And then I love what Elisha did because Elisha was so committed to God's plan for his life that he actually killed all the oxen. He he didn't leave it like, man, listen, if this doesn't work out, I'll be able to go back. I got all my oxen. I'm ready. No, he just, he he burned the boats, as we like to say. He said, listen, well, I'm going all the way in. And, And listen, for each one of us, God has a plan for our lives. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we have this tendency to say, I'm going to do all that God wants, except if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Like we have contingency plans. And the problem with the contingency plans, it's not that God doesn't want us to be planning, but the problem is following the Lord and doing the Lord's will is not the easiest thing. Can I get an amen to that? You know, like we, we want to say, oh yeah, I'm following Jesus. It's the easiest thing in the world, but spiritual warfare happens and you're not perfect and other people aren't perfect and things get messed up and you think this thing's going to be great and it's not great and all these things go on. And what I've learned is that when you have contingency plans for the will of God, the contingency plan is the path of least resistance. And that's why we need great mentors, don't we? We need great mentors because we need people who can look at us and say, listen, I know it's hard right now, but God's got a call on your life. I think of my own pastor, Pastor John Henry Corcoran. I love my pastor so much. The number of times I have called my pastor in the now almost 20 years since I have not been his assistant pastor, 
And I've called him and said, oh man, this is just so hard. I remember when I went, I moved from the Bay Area in San Francisco where I was Pastor John Henry's assistant. I moved out to New Jersey to plant a church. I was 24 years old, single guy. And it was hard, you know? I, there, there weren't books on church planting then. And I just kind of was like, man, I got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and some caffeine. We're going to plant a church. It's going to be great, you know? And it was not great. It was hard. And I remember I called up my pastor and he's like, how you doing? I'm like, oh man, I'm going to quit. So I said, I'm like, I'm quitting. And he started laughing. He's like, I'll quit too. You want to move to Hawaii? And I was like, yes. And he's like, let's do it. And, and we, we, we talked about moving to Hawaii and, and, and opening up a little stand where we'd sell coconuts or whatever. And then we laughed. And he's like, okay, do we get it out of our system? Yeah, we're going to go back to keep serving the Lord and serving people? Yeah, okay, good. And, and then we went on. And, and, and it was like that mentorship has meant so much to me, not only in the early years, but still as we continue on, because we need people to help us understand that Doing God's perfect plan for our lives is not always the easiest thing. It involves risk and faith, and sometimes we don't do a great job. But we need to get raised up. And Elisha has been raised up by Elijah for all of these years, and now it's time for Elijah to go home. And Elijah is not so busy looking forward to when he's the guy. He's like, no, I'm going to be with Elijah to the end. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, about this idea of faithfulness. And, and for many of us, like our culture doesn't value faithfulness. And so we really don't have this like, I just want to be faithful, trusting the Lord. And, and I think it's something that God really wants to work in us because obviously we know a fruit of the spirit is faithfulness. And you really see Elisha's faithfulness here. I mean, if there was ever a guy who was like, man, I got things I got to plan. God's going to take Elijah. I'm going to be the next guy. I got, I, got, I got strategies to write down. I got vision I got to put together. I got to figure this whole thing out. I got to fix everything Elijah didn't do right. And so, so like, I got some stuff to do. No, Elijah's like, no, no. I'm, listen, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm, I'm right here. I'm not moving an inch away from you. I want to be here with you. And even though people knew about it, people are coming up and asking him. He's like, yeah. I'm staying here. And even, it's beautiful, because Elijah keeps telling him, hey, listen, the Lord wants me to go here, you stay here. And Elijah's like, no. And what's beautiful is Elijah doesn't say, no, you're supposed to stay here. He's like, okay, you can come. You know, and can I just encourage you? All of us need to get raised up. Discipleship, it's about a relationship with God, and that relationship with God and the wisdom of how to walk with God often comes through God's people. You know, we live in a day and age, people are like, I love Jesus, I don't like the church. I'm like, actually, if you love Jesus, then you'll love the church because the church is the bride of Christ. Now, I'm not saying the church is perfect, but you're not perfect either. The only one that's perfect is Jesus. So discipleship happens when somebody joins somebody on their journey and points them to Jesus on the way. And we all need that. And my friends, listen, that's why you being in a small group, it's a huge thing. You serving in ministry. I was discipled up because I, I started volunteering for ministry, right? And before you know it, like you're doing kids ministry or you're doing worship ministry or you're greeting or you're doing media ministry or you're doing safety, you're doing all these different things. And before you know it, now people are speaking into your life. You're, you're receiving wisdom from people who've been farther down the road, people who've seen different things, you know? And we need that. The work that God wants to do in each one of our lives is often God working through unique people in unique ways at unique times. 
And this is why the people of God are so essential. Like even today, you know, here at Crossroads, I learned so much from so many people because as we walk together as a, as a family, all these things happen and people share wisdom with me and they share insight with me. And, you know, sometimes I, I had someone just recently come up to me with all that's been going on in this unique season. They said, you know, Pastor Daniel, I don't envy your job, but I just want you to know I'm praying for you and I pray that God leads you. And I, and I was like, I'm like, this is some wisdom right here. I don't know what, what you're supposed to, what we're supposed to do, but I know the person who does. And so I'm praying for you. And I'm like, man, that's some maturity. So listen, God wants to raise you up. But the question becomes, like Elisha, are you being proactive with the knobs on your side of the wall to be raised up? Elisha was invited and he said, yes. And Elisha continued on with Elijah, kept saying yes. And even towards the end, when Elisha could have started to get distracted by all the things he wanted to do, he was going to be faithful so he can learn all that he could learn. So oftentimes we say, I want to get raised up, but every time there's an opportunity, we're too busy or we're too distracted or we have too many other things going on. And I believe that God wants to raise us all up. He wants to take us from where we are to where we've never been. Now, this story, as we've read through part of it now, we see now that Elisha and Elijah are kind of crossing the Jordan. And, and Elisha takes off his, Elijah takes off his mantle, which was kind of the prophet's cloak. It, it kind of symbolized God's, that he's under God's authority and that God had clothed and empowered him for this unique calling. And, and Elijah takes off his mantle and he, and he, and he just kind of touches the, the Jordan River with it. And sure enough, the water gets divided. And so don't miss that is, you know, the water dividing in the Jordan River. It's, there's deep biblical overtones of God parting the waters so that the children of Israel could walk through, whether it was the Red Sea. And then of course, going into the Jordan River with Joshua you know, and so we have this, this picture again of God preparing the way. Now, as we pick up the story now in verse 9, look at what happens. Second Kings chapter 2, it says, And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, really what we learn here is that you and I, we need to ask for God's best. We need to ask for God's best because the beauty, the beauty of this moment is that Elijah is asking, so, hey, okay, so what, what can I do? Like, what, what, what can I do for you? You know, and, and I love this because Elijah knows that it's his time to go home, but he's like, what, what can I do? And I, just a great reminder because when you ask for God's best, Jesus already told us this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, where it says, ask and it will be given to you and seek and you will find and knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and to he who seeks finds and him who knocks, it will be opened. 
Or what is there, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask of him? That's the words of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He said, listen, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then he uses a really powerful example. He's like, look, which father, if, you're, if your child asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? Right? If your child asks for a fish, who's going to give him a serpent? And if you think about, you know, as, as a parent, if my kids are asking for food, I'm not going to give them a rock. I know if they chomp down on it, it's going to break their teeth. They're going to have to go to the dentist. It's going to cost me a lot of money for a long time, right? Same thing. If they ask for a fish, and, 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 and not for a goldfish, but a fish to eat, I'm not going to give them a serpent. Give them a serpent, what happens? They end up getting stung. They end up getting hurt. And I got to take them to the hospital. It cost me a million dollars and all the stuff that goes on. And he's like, look, and if, you're, if you guys who are imperfect, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the good things you ask for, especially when you're asking for God's best? See, this is the big struggle for many of us. When it comes to the things of God, we just want God to be a vending machine. God, give me a, a promotion. God, get me a, you know, a, a handsome guy or, or, or a beautiful woman. You know, I really want that new Tesla, you know. I want to be on, space, on a SpaceX rocket, Lord. You know, I, I like more discretionary income. I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad, but when was the last time you said, God, I don't care what you give me. I just want whatever your best is for my life. Like, I want your will above everything else. I think it was Martin Luther, the reformer, who said, I get all this and Christ as well. You know, and, and we have to learn how to say, God, the only thing that really matters to me is what you want for my life, not my will. And this is hard, I think, for our generation because we're so used to having what we want. You know, for those of you who have been around a little bit, you know, you've seen our, our culture and our country move into just tremendous amounts of affluence. You know, like you can have anything you want, the way you want it, you know, and then you raise kids who have seen even more of it. You know, we have, we have instant access to everything, you know, and, and like, I don't know about you. I, I catch myself and I'm like looking for something I want to buy. And if it's not, not going to show up tomorrow, I'm like, God, it takes too long. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I remember some used to put things on layaway. You remember that? Like you'd buy it, you'd put a little money into it each month. And eventually when you bought it, now it's like, man, I just put it on the credit card. It shows up in one day, you know? And, and it's like, we're so used to being able to fulfill the desires that we have that we forget that God has a plan for our lives. And what I love so much about Elisha is Elisha is simply asking for God's best. Elijah says, what can I do for you? And Elisha simply asks for one thing. He says, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, that idea of the double portion, it, when, you, when we read it today, it, it feels weird. Like he's saying, can I be like tr- twice as powerful as you? But the idea of the double portion was the inheritance that went to the oldest son. He, he really, what he's asking is like, can I walk as your heir apparent? That's what he's asking for. And, and, if you, and if you want to look it up, of course, it talks about this in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses, uh, verse 17 where the oldest son becomes the new head of the family. And really what Elisha is asking for, he's like, look, I want to be able to walk in my generation 
the way you walked in yours. I want to receive the inheritance of the ministry that you are walking in. He's saying, I, I want to have the impact that you're, and obviously if you were to read in Second Kings, the life of the prophet Elisha, you see that. You see God using him in mighty ways. And if you want, we did a series on this a number of years back called Inside Man. You can find it on the Crossroads app or on our, on our media page where we talked about the, the ministry of the prophet Elisha. But here's my encouragement to you, brother, sister, seeker. Listen, say, God, I just want your best for my life. And don't settle to say, God, what's your best? And hold out for God's best. You know, and what's beautiful is if you put it with that idea of having great mentors, one of the great things about having older people in the faith in your life is that they can tell you stories about times when they made pragmatic, practical decisions that ultimately weren't God's best for them, but they made the decision for real reasons. And so, so much of what I believe God wants to do in each one of us right now is he wants us to say, God, what is your best for me? And what's beautiful is in the midst of Elisha asking for this double portion, is of course, this reminds me of King Solomon asking when the Lord said, what can I give you? And he says, can, can you give me wisdom? Give me wisdom. He doesn't ask for money, prestige. Like, I just need wisdom to lead your people. In the midst of that, we also see Elijah receiving God's best because Elijah literally gets translated off of this earth. This chariot of fire shows up in a whirlwind. And before you know it, Elijah goes right to heaven. Doesn't taste death at all. Just taken right out. And, and it's such a cool thing because when you look at what happened, you begin to realize that Elijah's ministry and God's stamp of approval on that ministry is actually proved out right there. That it's just like, the Lord's like, I'm, ta- I'm taking Elijah. Just taking him right out of here. He's, he's not even going to taste the pangs of death. He's just going to go home. Of course, we have Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 who has the same experience. He walked with God, but he was not because the Lord took him. And I also believe that this is the purpose that God has for his church, the people who were redeemed, where God's going to remove us out if we're in that generation, of course. Now, as we bring this crisis series to a close, look what happens, verse 12. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen, and so he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Oh, and then it says, verse 15 Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and they bowed to the ground before him. When Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion, Elijah said, look, it's a hard thing. But if you see when I am taken up, then it will be yours. And sure enough, Elisha saw it. 
he saw Elijah being taken up and sure enough, he, he cried on out and, and it says he tore his clothes. That was a, a, a biblical sign of, of great mourning, of sadness. We don't realize the implications of that. But I think what we need to realize is that this was long before everybody had walk-in closets full of clothes. You know what I mean? It was, it was a culture where people had just a few, a few sets of clothes. You know, it wasn't like, man, I got, I got my Sunday clothes. I, I have this in my closet. I got like my, my church Sunday clothes, so I have to look halfway respectable. And then I have like my church office clothes where I, I don't have to be as respectable as Sunday, but I have to be a little bit together. And then there's like my normal clothes that I would wear, which if you saw me, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's probably the way Fusco dresses. You know, and, and it's like, and so we all have that. And you know, you have like, oh, when I go out to a dinner party, I have this dress and I have these shoes. And you know, it's like, we have that kind of a culture where we have like closets full of clothes. Even the most minimalistic ones of us have lots of clothes. But in that day, they just had what they were wearing. And so for the prophet to tear his clothes, it's like, that was like a big problem. Because it's not like he's just going to go in his wardrobe and take that off and put on his, you know, Tommy Hilfiger shirt or whatever. It's like, that's, he was just walking around with his clothes ripped apart. And people would be like, what happened? And he'd tell them what happened. And so, so this was a big step. But sure enough, Elisha sees the mantle of Elijah. And what does he do? And I think this is true that each one of us, listen, you and I, we got to pick up the mantle. Got to pick up the mantle. So Elisha sees Elijah's mantle, and what does he do? He picks it up. He, he, he picks up what has been placed in front of him. And sure enough, he starts walking. He gets to the Jordan. He takes the mantle, just like he saw his mentor do. He strikes the water. The water divides. And now, by the time Elisha shows up at those prophets who are from Jericho, they know that the spirit of Elijah is upon Elijah. And God's plan has always been that the ministry continues. See, it's a beautiful thing when you begin to realize that none of us are essential for the work of ministry. But we get to do it for a while, right? But God's plan is that the ministry would continue. And listen, for those of you who right now, maybe you're younger or you're new in the Lord and you have ministry you know, aspirations, I just want to encourage you, listen, as God places the ministry in front of you, just pick it up. Just pick it up, okay. Right? And, and as you get invited into things, just say, okay. Right? And, and as we do that, God begins to work in each Thing that we find ourselves in becomes a necessary step in the journey of what God wants to do in our life. I look at my own journey in ministry, and it's like along the way, I was just dumb enough to pick up the mantle. It's like, hey, you want to do that? Sure. I mean, there's a couple times I'm like, you really want me to do that? I remember the first time my pastor asked me to preach on a, on a Sunday. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, you'll be great. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not so sure, right? But you take the opportunities that are in front of you, and you, you pick up that mantle. And what's beautiful is, when we pick up the mantle, really what we're saying is we're saying, God, I know that I'm not perfect, but I know that you like to use imperfect people. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel finished up this message with the reminder that God wants to continue his ministry through you. Every day, you have the chance to be a part of what he's doing when you say yes to the opportunities in your path. His great plan to draw people to himself will continue as you pick up the mantle and simply serve God and the people in your life. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Well, that's it for this series called Crisis, all about the life of Elijah. Even though he was living in a volatile social and political climate, he continued to stand for God. Pastor Daniel challenged you to do the same, taking up the mantle of service and faithfully pursuing God and loving people. Just like Jesus, you can reach out with truth and grace, loving others with the same great love that he's shown you. God doesn't want times of crisis to wreck you but to use them as a springboard for a more vibrant relationship with him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.